1: Good morning, beloved family. This is Mother Miriam Live, and I'm Mother Miriam, and I'm live, and I'm thrilled to be with you. God bless you. This is Friday. I could not be with you yesterday on uh, the Feast of Our Lady of Sorrows, uh, a most magnificent feast, and my personal feast day, September 15th, Our Lady of Sorrows, whose heart would be pierced with a sword at the foot of the cross, Simeon's prophecy. And Last night, we went to a High Solemn Latin Mass here in Tyler, Texas, um, by the Canon's regular. Absolutely heaven on earth. Heaven on earth. So, so, so beautiful. Every single thing, every second, was right with the world. Just what God gave the world. And the world has been so robbed of it. It's just, um, it's tragic. And it's a huge, huge loss for the church, and then for the world, because as the church goes, so does the world. So um, I'm so, so grateful for it. And here today, the day after Our Lady of Sorrows, um, we have from LifeSite News a very wonderful message from Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano, who said, As Mary suffered the seven sorrows, so too the church suffers suffers its own passion, and I want to um, read, I haven't read the whole thing through myself, but I trust that holy man of God, and he said this, on this solemn day, that's yesterday, on which the church celebrates the seven dollars, that's the sorrows, of the most blessed Virgin Mary of sorrows, my meditation will consider the seven dollars, the seven sorrows, which in sacred iconography we see symbolized by seven swords that pierce the immaculate heart of the Blessed Mother. I would like to contemplate them in relation to events taking place in the church, and I think we all want to hear Archbishop Vigano's message on this, of which Our Lady is Mother and Queen the church of which Our Lady is mother and queen. And not only this, she is a type of the church, and all that we say about the Mother of God may also be applied in some way to the bride of the Lamb. This applies not only to the triumphs and glories of both, but also to their sorrows and their participation in the redeeming passion of Christ. So our first, the first sorrow of Our Lady... Is the prophecy of Simeon in the temple? He is here for the ruin and resurrection of many in Israel, a sign of contradiction. This is Luke chapter uh, 2, verses 34 and 35. Our Lord is here for the ruin, Simeon's prophecy, for the ruin and resurrection of many in Israel, a sign of contradiction, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And you also, Mary, you also a sword shall transfix your soul. These are the words of Simeon to the Virgin, in which, are the, in which are the redeeming passion of the divine Savior and the co-redemption of his most holy mother. If you re, uh, resist or reject the word co-redemption, you simply do not understand Mary's role. Without Mary, there's no Jesus Evie, is simple. Without Mary, there's no Jesus. She is our co-redeemer. We, in sense, are little co-redeemers as we cooperate with Christ and bring the gospel to the world. But Mary is the uh, par excellence co-redeemer who gave us the Savior. These words apply also to the church, which is here for the ruin and the resurrection of many and a sign uh, for a contradiction. The church, too, participates in the mystical body, in what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ, Colossians one twenty four Paul's words, the new Israel, the city set on a hill, the new Jerusalem, For this reason we too, the sons of the church, feel our souls pierced in seeing the bride of the Lamb, she who is destined to be Dominic Gentium, ascend the Lord of the Gentiles, ascend her Calvary, rejected like the eternal Word by those who walk in darkness. And if the mother of God was spared the outrage which our Lord did not want to withdraw from, it is nevertheless fitting that the body would be scourged and humiliated by the new Sanhedrin, just as her head was. <clears throat> the second sorrow is the flight into Egypt. Faced with the persecution of Herod, the Blessed Virgin and Saint Joseph flee into Egypt in order to save the infant Jesus, abandoning everything. They leave their house and activities, their relatives and friends, in order to protect the Lord and hide him from the homicidal fury of Herod. Let us imagine the sorrow of the Blessed Mother in seeing the life of her son threatened. Let us imagine the concern of Saint Joseph, exiled in a foreign land, in the midst of pagans, alone with his wife and the infant Jesus. <clears throat> We too, like persecuted Christians, are forced into exile, into flight, and into facing the thousand unknowns of having to leave our homes and our loved ones in order to save the priesthood and the holy mass, the means by which the Lord perpetuates his sacrifice. We find ourselves even having to flee from the churches, monasteries, and seminaries because a new Herod seeks to eliminate the sign of contradiction that accuses him and which he wants to replace with a human religion that is ecumenical, ecological, and pantheist, a Christianity without Christ, a priesthood without a supernatural soul, a mass without a sacrifice. Beloved, if these words shock you and shock you further because I, a simple uh, religious uh, lay woman would say such things, would read such words from Archbishop Viguenot. These things are here. They are upon us. We keep getting calls of people from uh, whose cardinals have shut down the Latin Mass and there's no place for them to go. Perhaps they'd go to a Reverend Novus Order, but they cannot find one. <clears throat> What do they do? The church will go underground, and we need to begin. We cannot do without the sacrifice of the mass. Without the sacrifice of mass, the universe wouldn't exist. We must go underground if that's what it is. I, I want to, I want to encourage, even admonish priests to be who you are, alter Christus. And if you need to go underground to keep the Mass going, do whatever you need to do. Your vocation is the sacrifice of the Mass, not to be popular, not to please errant wayward bishops, not to submit to sin, but to serve the God who called you to himself, who ordained you to be an altar Christus, another Christ, through whom the sacrifice of the Mass and the only means of the Church will continue. Do it. Don't it! do you cower. Don't you go on retreat. Do what you need to do to save the sheep. Um, I know the canceled priests uh, are raising money for a big retreat center. I cannot judge whether that's needed or not. I cannot judge that. I can only beg you, don't become... A popular group of cancel priests. Don't do that. Don't go on speaking tours. Walk the streets and save the sheep and go underground and have the mass and let us come to it. As you know, the mass has been underground in China for years. Even the Holy Father's arrangement with China has destroyed that. But we need to go underground. We need to not fear and we need to not hide. This sword that pierces, I'm reading now Archbishop Figueroa, this sword that pierces the most sacred heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary also pierces our hearts. But just as the flight into Egypt was relatively short, so also will our flight be. We wait for the angel to repeat to us the words he addressed to Joseph. Rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. Because those who threaten the child, the child's life are dead <clears throat> the third <clears throat> the sorrowful mystery, the finding of our Lord in the temple, after going to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover, the Blessed Virgin and St. Joseph joined the caravan to go home, but they realize that Jesus is neither with them nor with their relatives. They search for him for three days, returning to Jerusalem, and they find him in the temple with the doctors of the law intent on unlocking the messianic prophecies of the Old Testament that reveal himself to them. What torment Mary and Joseph must have felt in their fear at having lost the one of whom the archangel Gabriel had said, He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of David his father, and he will reign forever over the house of Jacob, and his kingdom will have no end. Beloved, that is the prophecy of the Jewish Messiah. It has come true, and those words will never be extinguished. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. There's the music for our first break, beloved. You're welcome to call in anytime during this hour with anything on your heart, toll free. 1-877-511-5483.
2: What you're offering and giving to me, you deserve to get back because you're offering more than I can give.
3: I learned so much through the Stations on the cross. I listen to the radio station daily and I absolutely love it.
4: I was attending the chapel and places like that. And through your programs, I was able to find out how other Protestants had come back into the Catholic Church. God bless the Station of the Cross. Donate today at thestationofthecross.com. Do you love listening to the Station of the Cross on your car radio, but sometimes find yourself driving outside the listening area? Never miss another minute of your favorite show. Download the iCatholic Radio app so you can listen anywhere in the world 24 hours a day. The iCatholic Radio app is available for your phone in the Apple Store or for your Android phone in Google Play. Visit thestationofthecross.com for more information. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute.
5: How many times have you heard the complaint that church is boring, that we just do the same things over and over again? Well, the problem is not that church is boring, it's that we are bored. We are the problem, and not just with church, but with everything else. We have lost our childlike sense of wonder. G.K. Chesterton says the children have abounding vitality, and yet they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again, and the grown-up person does it until he's nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exalt in monotony, but perhaps God is strong enough to exalt in monotony. It's possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun, and every evening, do it again to the moon. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org
0: Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSight News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com
1: Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are uh, reading an article by Archbishop Maria Carlo Vigno, uh, Carlo Maria Vigno, I think, um, on uh, Our Lady of Sorrows. And um, Archbishop Vigno has compared Our Lady's seven sorrows um, to are the sorrows of the church in our day. And we're on the third sorrow. So if you've called in, hold on, I'm just going to read a little more and you're still welcome to call in or email at mother at the station of the And uh, we'll take your calls. I'm just going to read a little bit more. Um, we're on the finding of the Lord Jesus in the temple. And, um, Let me just see where we left off. Uh, Carlo Maria Vigano says, Great must have been their joy in discovering the young Jesus in the temple, but during those three days of anguish without their son next to him, he who was always submissive to them, all the most atrocious fears must have consumed them faced with these very human and authentic reactions, we ought to ask ourselves what our attitude is, when because of our sin, we also lose Jesus. It wasn't because of their sin, but because of our sin, often, we lose him, who distances himself from us, not in order to follow his own vocation, but because we have soiled the dwelling place of our soul and filled it with filth, Archbishop Figueroa says, now that was not true of Mary and Joseph. Looking at the present situation in which the church finds herself, we could ask ourselves, with the words of the prophecy of venerable Pope Pius XII, who repeats the words of Mary Magdalene, quote, where have they placed him? When we enter into a church and we look in vain for a sign of the real presence, a red vigil lamp burning near the tabernacle, we ask ourselves, where have they placed him? Also, when attending the reformed liturgical rites, we see the presider of the assembly exalted, the role of the temple zealot who reads the prayer of the faithful, the religious sister without a veil who distributes communion with ostentation. But we find no space, no centrality, no attention to God incarnate, to the King of Kings to the divine Redeemer present under the Eucharistic veils. We ask, where have they placed him? When entering the church, in which until yesterday we were guaranteed the liturgical celebration in the ancient rite, we find instead the Protestant table and the celebrant's chair placed in front of the empty tabernacle. We have been searching for you in anguish. Where then is the Lord? He is in the temple, in a tiny clandestine church, in a private chapel, on a makeshift altar, set up in an attic or in a barn, where our Lord loves to remain with those who open their hearts and their mind to his word, allowing themselves to be healed by him, allowing him to heal us of the blindness of soul that prevents us from seeing him. Why are you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be concerned with the things of my Father? When we do not find our Lord and we abandon ourselves to anguish and desperation, we must retrace our steps and look for him where he is waiting for us. Now, I think uh, Archbishop Carlo maria has combined the next three sorrows the fourth our lady meets jesus carrying the cross the fifth our lady stands at the foot of the cross and our sixth our lady witnesses the crucifixion and death of jesus here is another sorrow of the virgin and of the church seeing our lord scourged crowned with thorns carrying the cross insulted slapped and spat upon the man of sorrows on one side the mater dolorosa on the other a mother in whom the awareness of the divinity of her son jealously guarded since her fiat tears her heart as she contemplated the king of the jews killed by his own people stirred up by the high priest and scribes who accomplices of the imperial authority The Lord God will give him the throne of his father and he will reign over the house of Jacob and his kingdom will have no end. Behold the throne of David. Behold the kingdom of the house of Jacob, the father who accepts the offering of his son in the love of the Holy Spirit in order to restore the order that was broken by Adam's sin and expiate the infinite fault of our progenitor. We sing in the... um, uh, regnavit lignodeus, uh, uh, lignodeus. It is precisely from the cross that Christ reigns, crowned with thorns. But if the expiatory scapegoat, upon whom the faults and sins of the people were symbolically placed, was made the object of contempt and sent to die outside the walls of Jerusalem, what destiny could have possibly awaited the one, of whom the scape? goat was only a figure in the Old Testament. The scapegoat was a figure, but Christ was the true one. If not to take upon himself the sins of the world in order to wash them away in his own blood outside the walls of Jerusalem on Calvary. Do you know the Old Testament sacrifices? Beloved, read the book of Leviticus. The scapegoat was brought in and the sins of the people were put on him and he was slain and put outside the walls of Jerusalem to carry the sins of the people away. And so all our sins were put on the divine scapegoat, our Lord Jesus Christ, who was crucified outside the gate. The sorrow of the mother of God in seeing her own son outraged and led to death earned her the title of co-redemptrix. Quote, In this way, she suffered and almost died with her suffering and dying son. In this way, for the sake of the salvation of men, she renounced her rights as mother over her son and emulated him in order to placate divine justice so that it can rightly be said that she has redeemed the human race with Christ. Those are the words of Pope Benedict the Fifteenth, And that quote was spoken last night by the canon's regular at the homily of the Mass. The church, too, beginning right at the foot of the cross with the Blessed Virgin and St. John, had to suffer enormous sorrows in contemplating the passion of her Lord. We, too, the sons and daughters of the church in baptism, by the grace of God, have our hearts pierced in seeing Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, is treated As uh, I think, let's just see, let me start that again. We too, the sons and daughters of the church in baptism by the grace of God have our hearts pierced in seeing Jesus in the blessed sacrament, how he is treated by his own ministers, how he is considered almost a cumbersome guest who removes visibility from the self-centeredness of the actual participation and the fanatics of Um, ecumenical dialogue. We feel our hearts torn when we hear the highest exponents of the hierarchy deny the divinity of Christ, his presence in the most blessed sacrament, the four purposes of the holy sacrifice, and the necessity of the church for eternal salvation. Because in these errors, in these heresies, in these foolish lies, we read not only timidity and sordid, obscenity, uh, obsequiousness toward the enemies of Christ, but the same heartbreaking and hypocritical attitude of the Sanhedrin, ready to have recourse to civil authority, even to maintain a usurped administrative power contrary to the purpose for which Christ instituted it. The perversion of ecclesiastical authority is the most atrocious, atrocious and heartbreaking thing that can exist as if a son were to witness his mother's adultery or his father's betrayal. Priests, bishops, cardinals, holy father, listen to these words of Archbishop Viganò. They match the words of my broken heart and the broken hearts of your sheep. The perversion, the ecclesiastical authority is the most atrocious and heartbreaking thing that can exist as if a son were to witness his mother's adultery or his father's betrayal archbishop dear archbishop vigno you have hit the core of our hearts not just the betrayal of the faith But to witness our mother's adultery or father's betrayal, that is the pain we suffer. That is the pain we suffer. You have no idea the anguish you have caused the sheep of our Lord. Finally, the seventh sorrow, Our Lady receives the body of Jesus taken down from the cross in her arms. She who carried the Son of the Most High in her womb and gave birth to him in the squalor of a manger, but surrounded by choirs of angels, now finds herself having to receive the dead body of the Savior into her arms as guardian of the immaculate victim. How great must have been her deep and silent pain in holding the adult body of her son, whom she had so many times clasped to her heart, as a baby and then as a little boy, the limbs from whom all life has fled will seem even heavier, for she who kept faith, even while all the apostles had fled. Mater, Intimirata, we say in the invocation of the litany of Loretta, mother undefiled, a mother who is fearless, who is ready to do anything for her son, a mother whom the infernal world of the new order hates with an inextinguishable hatred, seeing in her the invincible force of charity, ready to immolate herself for the love of God and for the love of neighbor out of love for God. This apostolate world, excuse me, this apostate world seeks to cancel the mater intermarata, by corrupting the very image of motherhood, making the one who ought to protect the life of her child into a ruthless murderer, ruining the Mater Purissima with sin, in immodesty and impurity, making femininity ugly and degrading it in order to take away from every woman anything that would remind us of the Mater Amabilis. Today, the Church suffers with Our Lady of Sorrows in being subjugated to the secularized mentality in exalting a rebellious femininity which abhors virginity, derides conjugal holiness, demolishes the family, demolishes demolishes the family, and claims a distorted right to the equality of the sexes. Oh, beloved, I cannot finish this. There's no time. I'm going to try to read the very end of this, the last paragraph. Um, By the end of our program, I will take your calls and emails when we return. Um, Toll free 1-877-511-5483. We'll be right back.
4: I worked in pro baseball for a long time and we play on Sundays. And it was an easy excuse. Uh, I took the easy out and just didn't go to Mass. Got caught up on that whole selfishness, that whole, you know, um, I can do it all. The times when I was struggling were the times I needed God the most. And now that uh, I've come back and accepted God, my world has completely changed. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit CatholicsComeHome.org today.
6: This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for September 16th. Today we celebrate St. Cornelius. Persecution of the church during the 3rd century reached such a peak that there was no pope for 14 months. Today's saint was elected following that interval. The greatest problem of Cornelius' two-year term as pope had to do with the sacrament of penance. The question centered on the readmission of Christians who had renounced their faith during the time of persecution. Some of the proposed solutions were extreme, including one that came from a priest who had himself consecrated a rival bishop of Rome, the church's first antipope. This priest denied that the church had any power to welcome back those who had denied their faith, even those guilty of adultery. Cornelius, however, had the support of most of the Church in condemning such extremes. In 251, he held a synod in Rome and ordered that lapsed Catholics could be restored to the Church with what he called the usual medicines of repentance. Persecutions resumed the following year, and Cornelius was arrested and deported. Though he was a candidate for martyrdom, he more likely died in 253 as a result of the hardships of his exile and imprisonment than by beheading. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day.
1: Almost through with an article by Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigino um, comparing Our Lady's seven sorrows to the sorrows that um, the Bride of Christ, the Church of her Son, is going through today. It's, it's an um, unfortunately magnificent article by Archbishop um, Carlo Maria Vigino, and I would urge you to go to Life Site News. Um, and you can read the whole thing through. I'm going to try to read the last paragraph or so um, uh, before the program ends, but... Um, I would urge you all to go to LifeSite News and read that. Um, James, this morning, how are we doing, dear one?
5: We're doing well. We have a couple callers <laughs> on the line that I'd like to get, uh, to get to first today. So let's start with Julie from Tennessee. And Julie, I believe, was on the program a couple days ago and has a follow-up on her call. So welcome back to the show, Julie. It's good
1: to hear from you again.
3: Thank you. Hello, Mother Miriam. How are you Hi, today? Hi,
1: Julie. Great, Julie. Thanks, dear.
3: So, um, this is just a follow up to um the the conversation that we ended with the other day. We have um some family members who are disagreeing with our decision for not attending my sister's second wedding, which is outside yes, of the church, and that hasn't been annulled, yes, so um <clears throat> yes, and so, um. And this is a good opportunity for me to get prepared for a conversation that I'm having with my mom because she's coming to visit next week. Good um about this. And so, um, so you know, my family is what I would consider cultural Catholics. Most Correct. of them have kind of fallen away from the true faith. And you know, they think that we have become, my husband and I are are too extreme. And we believe we're just living out the true faith. We are now homeschooling our children, so we don't see anything that we're doing as extreme. We just believe that no, it's just Catholic,
1: just Catholic. Uh huh.
3: And so my question is, how do we explain? Like, I'll take my mom for example. How do I explain to her? Um, that life here, like our goal is to get to heaven and that we have to distinguish between eternal happiness with our Lord and our earthly happiness. And we'll take this wedding, for example, like this, this wedding that we can't attend the wedding because we don't want to lose our, our salvation and put our souls at jeopardy. And how do I help my mom, for example, see that heaven and hell is real and that, Our goal is to get to heaven and we've got to be able to put our earthly desires
1: aside. I'm going to predict that if you say all that to your mom, she's going to see you as selfish and uh, arrogant and nothing's going to help her. The best, everything you just said is true, but you cannot talk to her with that attitude. Um, Your heart is right, but... Uh, the best definition, Julie, I ever heard of evangelization, which is what you need here, is one beggar telling another beggar where to get bread, and in our case, the true bread of life. You need to speak as a beggar. If if uh, you were a true beggar on the street and dressed in rags and... Um, and uh, you found bread, you found where to get it you and and your mom came to you, and she's in the same rag she's poor, and you're, you're you're eating that bread and you're say, "What are you doing? what are you doing what you? And you say, "Mom, you won't believe this there's a man around the corner he's giving bread to beggars. go there's still some for you. go you know you need to be a beggar because we have nothing that we haven't received and You need to speak with her as a beggar who has found life and say, Mom, um, you know, faith at every stage is a gift. I can't expect you to have or to believe or to understand what God has brought us to. Um, But he's brought us to truly, more deeply understand the faith you raised us in and the faith you've raised us in says that if someone is married and they want to remarry without going through the process of annulment, without receiving a degree of nullity that states the first marriage is not valid, the church says they will be committing adultery and they will be in mortal sin and not on their way to heaven. Mom, how could we love one another and even be a party to that and encourage them, being a witness to it? How could we go and celebrate someone taking themselves away from God and away from heaven, if you don't want to say hell, and away from heaven? What reasoning? Well, the reasoning is that we love them in our flesh and blood. That's the very reason, Mom, that we shouldn't support them in this. You know, Mom, if you saw me walking off a bridge, I didn't know it was the end of the road and I was going to plunge to my death, you would do anything out of love for me to stop, uh, to stop me from plunging off the hill. Well, why shouldn't we, out of love for my sister, stop her from plunging into what will be hell if they don't turn? In other words, plead with her out of anguish. Don't tell her the life you want to live. Plead with her that, Mom, we can't support our sister plunging herself into hell, plunging herself away from God. We can't support that, Mom. You raised us Catholic. We didn't know the full faith then, but God has brought us deeper. And it's not our opinion. It's not the way we want to live. It's the way God wants us to live in order to get to heaven, Mom. We cannot love our sister if we support her in this In her going into mortal sin. It makes no sense. We would stop her if she wanted to commit suicide, and that's just temporary life. But what about eternal life? This is eternal suicide, Mom. See, speak to her with a broken heart. Let your mom hear that pleading from your heart.
3: Okay, that's very helpful. Yeah. And then is there something at the end of that conversation... Is there something where I eat right. my mom and my sisters? You know, I want them to see what we're seeing. and so everything? No, you, you cannot. Don't sense. do it. There... If you
1: do that, if you do that, it'll turn into a lecture, and they'll dismiss what you're saying. That's up to God. You speak as a beggar talking to other bakers that you have found bread, and how could you support someone uh, taking poison when you found true bread? You can't. There's no love in that whatsoever. What so well, but your sister won't understand that I know mom. I know and if my children want to eat poison and I save them from it and they cry their hearts out because they want what they want uh, Am I supposed to uh, let them eat the poison? Of course not mom Love does the hard thing and and I it breaks my heart that my sister's doing this but What can I do? If I support her, there's no love in that. And if one day she comes to faith and realizes that I supported her going into mortal sin, she's going to say, why on earth did you do that? You knew better. Why did you do it? Were you afraid that you'd lose my love? Is that more important than my eternal life? No. Speak your heart and let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do in their hearts.
3: Okay mother thank you thank okay. you very much i really don't, appreciate it
1: yeah don't end with a conclusion that says well i told them what no don't tell them what to do plead with them that you cannot do what is going to bring death to your you cannot support your sister in what will bring her death
3: i just i love them all so much i want them to see instead of looking at us like we're a thorn in their side i want them to come with us I, come on i know want you do honor
1: Yeah, but it's we. We, 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 we. It's all you. They're not interested in what you want. You have to love them enough to help them to God, not on what you want to get them to heaven. That's all they're going to hear. They'll turn their backs on you. Forget what we want. We want you in heaven with us. Don't speak those words because you'll be a Catholic fanatic and they'll want nothing to do with you. Speak truth. Forget you. Don't use the word we at all. Unless you say we cannot support our sister going into mortal sin. We can't love her and support that. Julie, you've got to get it. Otherwise, you'll turn, they'll turn away from you. Yeah. One beggar telling another where to get bread. Not a word of preaching or instruction. Not a word. Let it be in tears from your heart. They may not, they may not uh, be sold, but don't worry about it. They will not forget the sincerity with which you spoke. You didn't speak as a fanatic Catholic. You spoke as a saved beggar. Mm-hmm. Who yeah, remains okay. a beggar? Who remains a beggar? Mm-hmm.
3: That's very helpful to me because I feel like I've preached and preached. Yes, you know have. I hear so it.
1: I, I hear it. You've turned them away, and they're going to be turned away. They're going to expect that from you. They do expect it from you. They're relating to you based on that. No preaching. You were a beggar who found the true bread, and you remain a beggar who continues to be fed by the bread of life.
3: Okay. Thank you, mother. I appreciate it so much. All right. All
1: right. All right, sweetheart. Thanks.
5: And we'll go next to a call from our friend Kurt in Boston, Massachusetts. Welcome back to the show, Kurt. And how are you this morning? Very
2: good. How are you, Uh, mother? I'll make it short.
1: I know you will, you sweetheart. Go ahead.
2: (laughs) Okay. On the men's march. And I was telling you about Cardinal O'Malley. Well, I don't know if you've ever heard of C.J. Doyle. He's from the Catholic Action League. He actually called me back last night, a quarter of ten. And I told him everything. He sent a letter out. And it's basically, Cardinal O'Malley is shutting everything down concerning this march. Yeah. He's telling saw the news.
1: There's a news article on it on LifeSite News, Kurt.
2: So the thing is, is. I'm trying to tell him, well, how can we get around it to other bishops? He says, you can't. You can't go out, out of his jurisdiction. So the thing is, is he's actually told the Boston pilot not to print anything. He's told the Knights of Columbus, do not participate. These are all my my avenues that I'm trying to go through. Um, I just said, how can we do this, uh, CJ? He says, well, you know, I do know a few people in my parish that know people like uh, Laura Ingram, uh, Raymond Arorio. I said, he goes, well, your best bet is to go through Jim Havens. When I talk to Jim Havens on the radio, he says, Kurt, all all, they, all he says is, you cannot, he says, it's you should not. I'm sorry, but when you talk to fellow Catholics, as soon as they hear that the good Cardinal told you not to go, that's what he's doing. so in my response to this, It's not going to come from me, but I'm telling anybody who will listen to me in my men's group, I says, we have an obligation as Catholics to basically defend the defenseless. And I says, we have our own clergy that are going against us. Do you have any insight on what I can do?
1: Kurt, no one can stop a group of faithful for doing what they want. If, a, if you gather a dozen people or a hundred people and you go before Planned Parenthood, you can do that. You don't have to have a 501c3. You don't need to make it public. You don't need to advertise it. You don't need anyone's permission. Gather people and go before a Planned Parenthood clinic. It's just a, a group of the faithful. There's nothing wrong with that. Do the same thing now with the Men's March. Stop talking about it. Stop trying to get it through avenues, stop all that. Just get a bunch of men and do a march or picket a Planned Parenthood. Do what you want to do, just a group of faithful men. You don't need an organization going against the Cardinal. He's not a good Cardinal uh, if he's doing this. Uh, You don't need a formal organization or uh, announcement going against him. Don't go that avenue. Just get a bunch of men, no announce it, no church bulletins, zero. Just get a bunch of men, whether it's three, Jesus started with 12, 12, 50, it doesn't matter, and go ahead and march for women's rights on your own. You can do what you want. We'll be right back after the break. Oh, beloved this is mother miriam host of mother miriam live like the catholic current and the many other programs that originate from the station of the cross divine mercy in my soul is all about the messages that jesus revealed to saint faustina it is aired every sunday morning at 11 eastern and tuesday nights at 8 p.m or you can listen anytime to divine mercy in my soul on the i catholic radio mobile app
4: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question, why is your Protestant Bible four ounces lighter than my Catholic Bible? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a faulty scale? Nope, well maybe it's just the weight of the paper or the cover or the binding or some introductory comments. We wish it were just that simple. No, it's the seven books that got dismissed by team Martin Luther. Secondly, audacity. Audacity allowed Luther and others to extract time-tested truths of Scripture and key letters from the canon. What? Yes, about 1,200 years after the Bible canon was fully established, they rejected seven Old Testament books. Not only that, Luther placed the New Testament books of James and Jude, Hebrews, and Revelation in a category called, quote, the disputed books. And thirdly, a pesky comeback. If I were to write a deeply personal letter to my wife regarding our future descendants, don't be taking seven of my choice paragraphs out of that letter. Why? You might be wrong. Robbing those future descendants of a little bit of who Papa was. Now don't you do that. As
5: a non-profit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener supported.
1: um we have oh my goodness the program went so quickly today um uh, let's go to our emails we have so many and we're going to jump in we have 10 minutes left go ahead james
5: so as many of you know i typically take emails in the order in which they're received and do my best to stick to that policy but every once in a while i get one that really stands out to me that i feel is urgent and needs to be moved forward so that's the case with this first text we have today from someone who wrote in anonymously This person said, Good morning, Mother. We found out last night that our teenage daughter is self-harming again. This was an issue that she had many years ago, but we thought that we had worked through it. It has returned, though, and we're concerned for both her spiritual and physical safety. What would you advise us to do in seeking out help for her?
1: You must get her to a, let me just say, psychoanalyst, not a psychiatrist but a um, psychologist or psychoanalyst. She needs help, uh, not just medication. She needs help. And you know, um, the fact that you um, uh, thought that you had worked through it, um, if when someone self-harms, it's the result of some serious issue. Very often... It's the result of sexual abuse that is kept secret very, very often. Self-harm is the result of sexual abuse that has been kept secret. Not necessarily always, but in more cases than not. And you may think you've dealt with it and worked through it, but I will tell you, unless it is truly helped, that is a lifelong suffering. A lifelong suffering that is gonna pop up over and over and over again. You simply need to get her help. You need to support her, don't holler at her, don't punish her, don't do anything like that, I'm sure you're not, but you must get her help. And it must be um, a man, I mean a a woman, not a man, and uh, someone who is very good. I don't know how you determine that, But the first time your daughter goes to her, you might go with her, but your daughter may not expose things in front of you. Um, You need to get her help. I can't think of anything else to do. Um, You can get her medication, but um, uh, the tendency to harm herself is the fruit of abuse that she has suffered, no matter what the abuse is. And as I say, it's often sexual abuse. So don't delay in that. Do whatever you can. Uh, Hopefully you can get her Catholic, a Catholic psychoanalyst, if not at least a Christian one, and if not, perhaps a Jewish one, uh, but not an atheist. So um, don't delay in that. Don't delay. Um, Be very, very, very kind to your daughter. Give her space. Um, don't say I thought you were done with this. You got to get over it. Don't dare do any of that because you will harm her more and shut her out of your life. Okay.
5: So our next email comes from Lori, and Lori says, "Hello, Mother. I hope this email finds you well. I listen often to 10:60 a.m. and enjoy learning so much from you. I'd love some advice about how to deal with my mother, who is a narcissist and was terribly abusive my whole life." I'm just stuck with what Jesus expects of me in terms of forgiveness and all. Thank you so much. Lori.
1: Lori, um, you haven't told me if you live with your mother, um, why are you stuck with what Jesus expects of you in terms of forgiveness of all? And all, If you're stuck with that, then you're not forgiving. Uh Because we could say Jesus is stuck with us. Is he stuck with forgiving us? No. Did he have to forgive us? No. Did he forgive us? Yes. Why? He said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing because sin is blind. If your mother is a narcissist and was abusive your whole life, it's because she was abused and had a horrible life. And was capable of nothing else. That doesn't mean you should excuse her, but you must forgive her. We must forgive as God in Christ has forgiven us. Must, M-U-S-T. We must forgive as God in Christ has forgiven us. He died on the cross for us while we were yet sinners. He didn't wait for us to feel sorry. He didn't wait for us to apologize. He didn't wait. We were narcissists, all of us, in original sin. We were the focus. So um, you need to see your mom as emotionally handicapped and incapable of anything other than what she has done apart from serious help, which she didn't get. Does that mean she was right? Does that mean you should excuse her? It means you need to forgive her as you need Christ to forgive you. Same thing. And if you will not forgive your mom, then you uh, will not be forgiven by Christ Forgive us as we forgive those who sin against us. We pray it in the Father every single day. If we don't forgive those who have sinned against us, then God will not forgive us. That's what we're telling him to do. Don't forgive us if we don't forgive others. Yeah, but my mom, this, this. I know. Yeah, but we put Jesus on the cross, beloved. You must. If you don't forgive your mom, number one, you will not be forgiven by Christ. And you will suffer the abuse all your life. If you don't forgive her, you're going to live in the abuse that she put upon you your whole life. You will live in that. And it, you will, your mom put it on you for so many years, and you're going to put it on you yourself through unforgiveness the rest of your life. To forgive is forgiveness, someone said, is forgiving. You will free yourself if you forgive your mom. Don't hold this charge against her the way Jesus didn't hold it against us. Lord, forgive my mom. She knew not what she did. Forgive her. I forgive her, dear Lord. I pray that you will heal me from the effects of those wounds and heal my mom. So, Lori. If you're living with your mom, um, I don't know the situation um, at all, Um, but if you expect your mom to change um, from being a narcissist and continuing to be abusive apart from God's grace, it's impossible. She's suffering her entire life and has passed the suffering on to you. You can be healed. You can forgive if you forgive it'll free you. It may not change your mom, but it'll free you. And in your um, freedom, you will have the power to love your mom, who is a hurting, damaged soul. And through your love, it may heal her. Not through your resentment, not through your anger, not through your self-pity, but through your love, you can heal your mom and see her as a as a um, uh, hurting soul. It's the end of our program, beloved. Um, uh, Archbishop Vigano says, Today the Church suffers with Our Lady of Sorrows in being subjugated to the secularized mentality, exalting a rebellious femininity, all of that. Um, We offer these sufferings of ours, uniting them to those of the Church and Mary Most Holy, Our Lady of Sorrows, asking the majesty of God to grant us the privilege of witnessing the triumph of the church, the mystical body of Christ, just as after three days her head arose again, even as she the guards were sleeping. And then we will see the Virgin of Sorrows put on her royal robes once more to intone the eternal Magnificat. Oh, beloved Let's walk with Our Lady of Sorrows. Let's honor her Son with every breath we take. Don't be afraid to suffer. Do not accept sin. Do not obey sin, no matter from whom it comes. Love God and be beggars, telling the entire world where to get the true food, the true bread of life. Have a blessed weekend. Talk to you on Monday.